Welcome to the Enrollment Insights Podcast. I'm Will Patch, the Enrollment Marketing Leader at Niche. In this podcast, my goal is to focus less on the promise of best practices, instead look for the processes and the questions to spark internal reflection and lead to novel solutions that are really tailored to your institution. I'm really excited. My guest today is Evan Moore, Senior Associate Director of Marketing and Communications at Colorado State University. Evan uses analytics to better understand user behavior and optimize enrollment communications. Welcome, Evan, and really, I appreciate it. Thanks for making the time to chat. Yeah, thanks, Will. Excited to be here. Well, I'm going to start us off with two questions that I ask everybody. So first up here, what's something you tried that didn't work, and what did you learn? Yeah, this is always a great question, um, and it's usually hard to answer because the list is, it should be pretty long, right? We should all be trying new things, and most of those new things, they typically don't work. So I was I was thinking all the way through you know, my career and trying to find a good one, and this was many years ago. I was working at CSU, and we wanted to kind of ride the momentum of our football team being in a bowl game. So we got really excited, recut our 30-second promo, put an admissions emphasis on it. We quickly rebuilt the admissions homepage, which we were sending them to at the end of the video, set up some dashboards to track, and uh, sat down. The game started, and we're watching the numbers, and nothing really happened. So <laughs> we kind of looked at that, and we're like, what's going on? And ultimately, we didn't really have a strong call to action. We didn't have a clear, here's what's next once you get to the homepage beyond just uh, kind of improving that experience a little bit. So it was this really big, quick, heavy lift that we all did. And I think it just came back to the lack of a specific focus or goal before we got started. We were just excited about the opportunity. So we jumped in, but I think it could have been way more successful if we took one more deep breath before doing all of that work and kind of looked at exactly who we were trying to talk to and why we were trying to get them to the website. You want to chase the hot new trend, whether that's on TikTok or Instagram or where and You have these cool things that might get some engagement, they might get some views, but there's no what's next. What do you want people to do with that? Yeah. And and ultimately, you know, I I look back and I'm proud of the work that all the teams did on that effort, but it does just come down to what did we want them to do? What did we want to result? And, And I don't think we had a good answer. I'm actually thankful for that experience at the beginning of my career to be part of that. Um, because it's informed, I don't know, some extra emphasis on uh, setting those goals and strategies ahead of time. Did you feel like it still worked as a branding or engagement piece? Yeah, definitely. I think the content was great. The website looked awesome. We just didn't see any, uh, I guess you could say results because we didn't know what we were tracking or looking for. So ultimately, yeah, definitely happy with the, the product. It's just the the result. Second question here. What practices do you use to brainstorm and bring new ideas into your work? Yeah, this is a good one too, especially now uh, in, a, in a COVID world, there's a lot of new ideas out there. Um, definitely have to pivot to the new ideas, you know, move to a digital world, all those things. So there's no lack of ideas right now. So I think, you know, the hard part is trying to find the ideas that actually are solving problems that you might have. So one place that I always go is Twitter. You know, that's where you and I connected. I'm a big follower of the EM chat hashtag. So I'm always watching what people are talking about there in the higher ed marketing community. And I also look at things outside as well. I think that's so important. We're all consumers. And for example, last week, I 
kind of getting ready for a cold Colorado winter. And I bought a new bike trainer so I can continue training on my bike during the winter in the house. And I've really been watching their onboarding process through email that whole time. So I ordered it last week. It's still not here, but they are working to educate me on the product, uh, to keep me excited about the product. And I'm trying to compare that to the student experience, you know, as, as someone is admitted or submits their enrollment deposit, what comes next and, and try to get inspiration from something as different as buying a trainer for your bike. There's just so many different examples and opportunities out there to to pull ideas from. It's great to look for the tangents, the same idea in another industry. They're essentially ingraining you in the product and tre- teach you how to use it and getting you excited about it before it's even arrived then, huh? Yeah, they're, you know, talking about features of it, different pieces of software that you can add to it. It's a, it's one of those smart trainers, so there's all kinds of things you can connect it to and really just making sure that when it arrives that I'm ready and I'm still very excited about it and maybe I know a few things that I didn't actually realize when I was purchasing. So, I like that cuz that's essentially the same thing that we're doing. You know, you're trying to get people engaged, interested, get them excited about things they didn't realize initially uh, before they start school. So even after they've paid their deposit, they've been to orientation, there's still that window where you can still get them up to speed, get them excited about things they didn't realize. Have you taken away anything from that that you're going to try this next year? Good question. You know, one thing that I've taken away is is that extra software that they're kind of pushing. It's not directly from their company, but they are talking about ways you can kind of expand that experience from their product into different pieces of software, into different uh, pieces of technology. They really didn't limit it to just the thing that I purchased. They broadened it out. And I think, you know, obviously college is a much, much bigger experience than what is typically kind of considered your college experience. Thinking beyond the dorms, beyond the classes, right? What, What else can we connect them to? before they get here. So even after an orientation, how do you get them engaged with the community and and everything there? Yeah, yeah. That's one of our big uh, pieces of emphasis for sure is the community and everything. So I feel good about some of it, but I think there's always room to grow. And of course, where you go to college for a lot of students is just as important as the college itself. Um, So those opportunities are just so important. Evan's one of those people, if you aren't already following him, go follow him. He's one of those people who shares great insights and great thoughts. But Evan was talking about optimizing forms, this thing that gets overlooked too often. There are a lot of things that count as forms, and those experiences can be very different. So inquiry forms, visit forms, of course, has it right in the name. But your application is a form on the site as well. Uh, Any number of surveys that we do. How do you keep track of what you're doing and making sure that you aren't asking students the same questions over and over again? That's a good question, and it's a tough one. You know, the, the short answer is ultimately we do ask students redundant questions sometimes. There are so many different entry points into different engagements with us that it's pretty tough not to do that. But there are also a lot of ways to simplify that experience and to make sure that you're just really concentrating on what's important at that moment. So one thing we do is uh, try to use the CRM as well as we can. 
you know, pre-populating forms. If, if we're sending a student an email, chances are we already have the basic info about them. So we can pre-populate that form based on a custom link. And then they click that link and they go in, they see it already halfway filled out. That gives them the opportunity to maybe correct something that has changed. Maybe they moved or have a different phone number, but also they don't have to re-enter it. So even though we're, we're asking for it for the new people, we're simplifying that experience um, for those who are already in. Ultimately, I, I think it just really comes back to, are you asking something that you don't actually need at that moment? Do you need a birthday to start a marketing campaign? Probably not, right? So maybe leave that off or give them a secondary opportunity to, to provide that, but don't require that or put it in front of them right away. You can ask that at the application stage after you've built all the affinity and trust in the world. Acknowledging that there is some redundancy, look for those opportunities to simplify those engagements as much as you can in every situation. And could you talk a little bit about what your experiment was and, and what you found? That would be a good intro. Yeah, absolutely. So looking at our main RFI form, our subscribe form, I knew that we were asking a lot of questions that we did not need at that moment based on just the assumption that, that simple forms result in higher engagement and completion. I set out to try to see if that was true. The easiest place for me to do that was our RFI form. So we jumped in. Looking at that form, we saw that there were about 30 fields on there. And I knew that that was, that's a lot to ask someone on a first date, right? Which is what those RFI forms are. The purpose of that form is to get them into our marketing flow and make sure that we can effectively communicate. So to boil it down, the experiment was what happens if we simplify that form down to its most simple fields and uh, see what happens with the conversion rate. How do you actually evaluate the effectiveness of a form and then track down those issues? Back to the, the first kind of failure that I talked about, we defined the problem and we defined what we were trying to do. There are a lot of different outcomes with any type of data collection, right, that you might be looking for. In this case, we said we want to increase that conversion rate. So once we define that, we are able to come up with a way to evaluate the effectiveness pretty quickly, right? Based on the number of people that showed up on the form, which we can track uh, using Google Analytics, how many of them actually completed it? That's our conversion rate. And we had a lot of historic data that we were able to compare to. So while we didn't do an A-B test in this situation, we were able to compare it to past data and really get a good idea based on our cycle and everything else, how it was performing. While an A-B test is great for something like this, it can be really challenging. So having good, clean Google Analytics, or if your CRM can somehow track starts at least, Having something is important. Yeah, and this was a great place to start as well because it wasn't an event with a separate promotion plan or a, a really specific form to a specific population. This is our subscribe form. So it's it's been on our website in a consistent format for a long time and we're not promoting it the same way. Uh, so it, it just has less noise in the data. Uh, people typically get there the same way. Were you seeing a slight increase by decreasing the number of fields or was this pretty dramatic? So far, we, we made this change in February and we've seen a pretty massive increase uh, in our conversion rates. So conversion rates are up as of this morning, about 59%. 
um, wow. compared to the same uh, time period year over year. So we're really, really excited about it. And, and so our conversion rates are not only up, but our actual submissions are up too. And as we've pushed through this, uh, you know, COVID world, right? In, in a pandemic kind of stage, we've seen our web traffic on this page drop. So even though our web traffic on this page has dropped, we're actually seeing more submissions. So I'm really happy that we made this change when, when we did. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. That's impressive. A student who comes to your site and requests information has to be very likely to enroll, right? Yeah, we see, we see good yield rates from these students. There's nothing as clear as a request for information form, right? We know what they want when they go there. So we were able to get a lot more information and, and we'll continue doing that to a lot more people just by reducing some barriers. Yeah, that's the big thing. Make it easier. Did you even break it down based on location of traffic or devices they were on? So were you seeing differences in mobile traffic versus desktop? You know, we haven't dived that deep. Uh, we've left it pretty simple. I have all of those statistics, but really we set out to look at that overall conversion rate. So I can't tell you off the top of my head whether we've seen uh, more mobile traffic and completions than than usual, but I would bet that we would definitely see an increase there because on a on a mobile phone that that previous form was about a mile long so yeah. uh, you could just imagine scrolling through um, like I was saying there were 30 plus fields eight were required the required ones weren't grouped together so oh you could get to the bottom and press submit and realize that you left something off you'd have to go hunt for it so a lot of little subtle barriers throughout the entire thing that have been removed I think that's why it's important to always look back and question how it's doing. Without the analytics, you have no way of knowing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that clear goal was really the, the difference maker. We knew what we were trying to solve and knew we couldn't solve every problem that the office was facing by this one form. So we set out to solve that problem. And I think I think we did. And you mentioned earlier that you need to know what you want to measure and do in advance before you start trying to optimize. I think this is a great example. So what what's next? Is the application the next tackle for you? <laughs> well, I think <laughs> I think everything's the next tackle, right? We have yeah. <laughs> and I think most admissions offices could um, kind of sympathize with this, but there are so many ways to enter a CRM and so many different pieces, um, so many different engagement opportunities, right? And and usually those center around a form somehow. So actually probably tackle visit forms next. Um, I'm not sure that we need as much information as we're collecting and then look at the application and, and try to even look out at vendors, right? And see if we can work with some of our vendors to simplify things and make sure that those are streamlined as well. So a lot of opportunities to kind of improve our data collection over the long term. So when you find these problems, how do you work with your team to approach solving the problem? I feel a little bit like a broken record, but first determine what you want to solve. I think higher ed uh, struggles across the board from trying to be everything to everyone and solve every problem. And it's just not possible. We, we set out and we determine, okay, this is what we're trying to do. After that point, we kind of, after we identified that problem, we got a small group together, all the stakeholders, and we talked about what problems this solution might create. So we came up with some solutions there. We were worried about uh, students who did want to share all of this information. So we actually created a secondary form 
after you clicked and submitted the the primary, here's the basic information we need. There's an opportunity to complete all of those optional fields, but it doesn't get in the way of those students just bailing out on the form right when they see those all of those 30 fields. So we looked at solutions for the secondary problems that it might create. We talked about the downstream effects. We made sure that um, we didn't lose any information in this process. And then came the hardest part. We decided to make the change and we committed to it. At that point, we committed and we waited for the data to come in. We trusted our solution in the meantime, while understanding that if the data doesn't come back to support that hypothesis, we are totally open to changing back or coming up with a different solution. So that's usually the hardest part is when you put it into production and uh, hope you were right. You just have to wait patiently for results. Absolutely. (laughs) So when you're testing things, you have your hypothesis and you know what you want to try and optimize. Are you A-B testing or doing any factorial testing in these? Yeah, in a perfect world, we A-B test every time, but we definitely do not live in a perfect world. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but we often test our solutions in production. That's definitely not the ideal situation. We are expanding A-B testing in a lot of what we do, uh, especially with email campaigns and things like this. But the second best solution, in my opinion, is making sure that you have good data with clear goals, right? Broken record again. We were able to, even though we didn't A-B test, we were able to look back at historic data in the same consistent environment where we can you know, confidently uh, see the results of what's happening now and say this is better or worse or somehow different than what was happening before. So while that's not a true A-B, you know, I think it's as good as we do uh, in a lot of these cases. So now that you run these tests, you're collecting a lot of data, how are you tracking these results and then reporting them out? And what you're learning may help impact other areas of campus as well. Yeah, it's not a very fancy system that I'm working on. We, we don't have, you know, great visualization or anything like that for this problem. To boil it down, I knew what I was going to measure, so I looked at the number of people who were on the page, and I looked at the number of submissions. I figured out the conversion rate based on those numbers, and I drop it into a spreadsheet monthly to watch month-over-month conversions so that we can compare it back to years past. So there's nothing fancy. It's an Excel spreadsheet with some formulas and some secondary metrics that I'm tracking as well. But we knew what we wanted to measure, which was that conversion rate. We knew that's how we were going to measure the success. So that's what I've been reporting out. And again, the hardest part was waiting for the data to come in. Right when we launched this, about a month later, we all went into quarantine. So it was hard to say early, what are we seeing? How much of that is due to the pandemic? How much of that is due to different student behavior? Or how much of that is is due to the form? But over time, we were able to get a pretty good picture and we can see the trend that it's vastly different than years past based on, on the change. And it starts pretty much immediately after we, we made the update. It really just boils down to that same thing, figuring out what you want to measure, coming up with some secondary KPIs as well, and putting it into a consistent, really easily understandable format so that you can share it out to the people who also need to know it, but may not be working as closely with it. So someone who might be listening to this, you know, they hear all this and they think this is really exciting. 
they're a contributor on the team. They're not really the one who gets the final say. What's a good way of finding the problem and pitching a solution? Maybe to their managers, maybe to teammates? Well, that's a great question. It's not an easy one. No, that's not an easy one. <laughs> it, it, it depends on the dynamic quite a bit. Yeah, with something like this, I think there's a lot of evidence out there to support the hypothesis that removing these barriers are going to benefit the student and the, the student experience. So go out, look for that evidence. And don't just look at other universities or other institutions. Go out and see what it takes to sign up to learn more about a product. Go out and try to find a form as long as yours. <laughs> and I bet <laughs> you won't find one in the corporate world until you're really deep into some kind of purchase process. So I think you can use a lot of common sense. I, I won't, maybe common sense isn't the right word, but that available experiential data that's out there. And then find people, maybe it's on Twitter or something like that. See, see what they're doing, see what they think of your idea and lean on the success or failure that other institutions are having. I think it really is all about just making the case, finding the evidence and making sure that it's in a really succinct, understandable way that people can relate to. Great advice. I hope that inspires someone to dig in and propose some improvements. Absolutely. Well, Evan, I really appreciate your time. This is something that I've looked forward to. And uh, yeah, I'm excited that you've put the work in here and can help others. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah, I don't think we can take credit for the idea of simplifying forms, mm -hmm. but uh, we can certainly say that it worked for us and happy to share those results and what we learned along the way. Yeah, it's one of those, I don't know that there's a lot of original ideas out there, but what is original <laughs> is people being willing to talk about what has and hasn't worked and help make everyone else better. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks. Where can people find you if they want to continue the conversation here? Yeah, I'd say the, the easiest place to find me is probably on LinkedIn or on Twitter. Feel free to reach out um, or even in my email, and I'm happy to share all of that with you. We'll put all that in the show notes. You can all find that at niche.bz slash podcast. Well, thank you, Evan. Uh, have a great weekend and, and stay safe. Thanks. You too. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm.